Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Jen. And I'm Amanda. And And you're you're listening listening to Fathomless. small little disclosure before you listen to episode one yeah so um first um should we give trigger warnings yeah um we are gonna talk about suicide in this a lot um that is if that's something you're not comfortable with you know we'll see you on a different episode um but um so just you know fair warning that is something that is going to be brought up a few times um And also just a little disclaimer about our audio. Um, We're still very new to this and very new to the whole editing and podcasting. So things sound weird, quiet, or like a little laggy, or there's like awkward spaces between things. Um, We're so sorry. Um, Just be kind and just let us know. And if we say um a lot, we're going to work on that. That's going to be a goal of mine. Um in life. We'll take constructive criticism, but you know, like don't, don't rip us apart, please. All right. So, uh. Yeah, we hope you enjoy. Awesome. So our first episode is going to take place in Boston, Massachusetts. So for those of you who don't know, Boston is the uh, capital of the state of Massachusetts. It's nestled right on the eastern coast of the state, uh, right up against the Atlantic Ocean. There is a river that runs through it, the Charles River. Boston Harbor has always been a pretty major seaport. Um, So there's a lot of stuff going on around that area, a lot of ships going in and out. Um, Boston in itself is a big college town. There are several colleges in this town. Um, So there's a very, very big population of people in their early 20s and 30s. Lots of students, lots of bars, lots of things to do, places to go, lots of parks. So it's a pretty, pretty awesome city. If you've never been there, you should go. Um, But it does have some strange things that happen in it as well. Um, One thing that's always fascinated us is uh, since about 2009, more than 10 bodies of young men have been recovered from the Charles River and out of the Boston Harbor. Um, all of these deaths are always either ruled as undetermined, accidental, or suicide, um, though many locals suspect with the amount and the, uh, yeah, just the significant amount of cases and the uh, links between the victims that uh, there may actually be something more sinister going on besides just a lot of freak accidental deaths. Mm. Um, you know, it could just be partying, but it could also be a serial killer. Could very well be. I mean, Boston has had many serial killers in its past. Exactly. Boston Strangler. Exactly. Craigslist Killer. Um, we're going to have links to every, uh, thing in our show notes as well. If anyone's interested in where we got any of our research and, um, we are going to have a post on the Instagram as well. Um, but um, we do um, know that a lot of these uh, these deaths have been labeled as part of the smiley face killing theories. Um, what is that exactly for people who don't know who the smiley face killer so is? So the smiley face killer theory um, is a kind of like phenomenon that's been going on for a little while. It is kind of like a theory to answer the question of um, what is happening to all of these young men who wind up in waterways in college towns because it's not just happening in Boston. There are some places out west. There's some places, um, you know, in like the central part of the United States, but um, it's not just local to this area. Um, There are a lot of blogs. You can look it up. There's a ton of YouTube stuff about smiley face killers. A couple podcasts have covered them. Um, A lot of times the deaths, um, there are smiley face graffiti near where the bodies are found. So that tends to be the, uh, the theory is that that is a symbol left by the serial killer or group of serial killers that are doing this. Um, I don't know if I entirely believe that. Um, I feel like it would be really hard to, to like pinpoint that to make that but I mean, this piece of graffiti to make is a smiley face. You You give me a can of spray paint. 10 out of 10 times, I'm going to do a smiley face or a stick figure. (laughs) Maybe a star. Maybe a star or a moon. But um, anyway. But yeah, and I mean, I also like, I really don't think humans are great enough at like working together to create that kind of a 
mass yeah. underground group of serial Shit killers that are messy. working across the states yeah. without anybody slipping up at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it has happened. Look at like Chicago um, Rippers, but yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. it just, I don't know. That's it, not where my heart is set. It's, it's not it's where my heart is set. It's a recipe for sloppiness. Exactly. Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's get into it. So we are going to say that these are potential victims. We'll probably use the term victim and potential victim interchangeably. Um, don't come at us. But um, we're just not sure if they're all connected. So we're just going to refer to them as you know, potential victim or victim, because we don't know if it was one person doing this. Please don't come at us. <laughs> anyway, um, so we're going to start with victim number one. His name was John DeVario, and he was the oldest victim out of all the victims that we will cover. Um, he was a 49-year-old teacher at Boston University. John was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he later moved to Boston to get a PhD from BU. He became the chairman of musicology at Boston University in 1987, and he held that title until his death. He wrote several books, and, you know, he was considered a happy man by people who knew him. He even cared for his elderly parents, and if you're a caretaker of any person, you know, so much respect, because I did yeah. it for a long time, and it's it a lot a of work. It's a hard job. It is a hard job. It's very rewarding as well. It really is. So, both ends of the spectrum. But anyway, um, John was last seen on CCTV BU footage leaving the campus the evening of March 16th, 2003. It was about 8.30 p.m., and he was wearing a red jacket, and he was carrying a white bag, and that bag was never found, even with his body. Never found? Never found. That's weird. Um, He left his wallet in his briefcase behind, so maybe he was just, like, running out to grab something real quick and planned on coming back. Who knows? Um, But he was found nearly one month later on April 14th, 2003, near the Cambridge Boathouse. Um, Police do not suspect foul play, and his family and friends do not believe he committed suicide. Interesting. Yeah. So why don't you tell them about victim number two? All right. So our second potential victim is Daniel S. Munn. Daniel was a 20-year-old biology major at MIT. Um, He was actively involved in the Korean Students Association. 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 Jesus Christ, my lisp is coming out. I'm (laughs) sorry, guys. I swear I had speech therapy at one point in my life. Anyway. Um, (laughs) But, uh... um, Daniel was very active. Um, He loved sports, especially tennis. He was in a fraternity. Um, It was the Chai Phi fraternity. I hope I'm saying that right. I don't know how to pronounce fraternity. Um, I'm assuming it's Chai Phi. It's C-H-I-P-H-I. If we're wrong, someone will. Might be Chai Pi, but I don't. I don't think that's right. That sounds like something good to eat. It does. Anyway, go on. Yes. So he was last seen on December fifth, two thousand and three. At the Chai Fi frat house in uh, the back bay of Boston. Um, He told his uh, fraternity brothers that he was just going out to roller skate and that he would be back. Um, His body was found February 28th, 2004. So two months later. Over Um, two months later. Oh yeah, over two months later. Um, In the Charles River, his body was um, recovered from underneath the Zakem Bridge, um, fully clothed with the rollerblades still on. Uh, He was identified by dental records. Um, Friends said that he was in good spirits when he left the house. Um, Police just, they suspected no foul play once again, um, but they could not determine whether it was accidental or suicide. So tragic. Yeah. All right. Uh, Victim number three was Dustin Willis. Dustin was 26 and he was from Hatteras. I think I said that right. North Carolina. Um, my parents live in North Carolina. We love North Carolina. It's a nice place. Very nice place. Um, Dustin had a five-year-old son at the time of his death, unfortunately, which is really sad. Um, but Dustin was in the Navy. He was an engineer in the Navy and he had the title of a PO3 slash E4 petty officer. Uh, not sure what that means. You should ask your hubby. I know. My husband was in the Navy. Um, I don't know all the ranks, so I'm sorry. He might not um, know, actually. <laughs> he, he might. He might. He's very smart. Um, but Dustin was also a musician. He was a crewman on the SS Donald Cook, 
which was a Navy boat docked in Boston at the time of the St. Patrick's Day celebration. And if you are from Massachusetts, you know that St. Patrick's Day is a huge day in Southie. We go ham. Massive. I don't. Yeah. But but the rest of the state does. Um, If you like drinking and you like crowds and you like parades. Like sitting in an hour of traffic on 93, just trying to get into the fucking city. Go to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I mean, I have been once. It was fun. You should, everyone should go at least once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so March 16th, 2007, there was a blizzard in Boston and Dustin was out with his shipmates at the Black Rose Pub, which is near Quincy Market or Faneuil Hall. It's the same place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cute little shops, restaurants everywhere. Um, It was about 11 p.m. and him and his friends were on his way out, but they lost track of him in the storm. Um, Being by the water, being dark blizzard you can't see much you can't see anything um but his friends did say that he was sober um he was in contact with his girlfriend throughout the night uh she later called and a person who was not dustin answered the phone stating that they had found the phone i don't know where they found it but they picked up the phone it was not dustin so they had it but then his phone was found later on the ground at like 1 a.m Weird. So that's kind of weird. If I found a phone, I'd like try to bring it somewhere. Yeah, I would not just like, I mean, maybe I would answer the call. I don't know. I know, Very but. Torn on that. Yeah, I would, if I found a phone and someone was calling over and over again, I'd probably answer it because it's probably True. someone looking for the phone. Yeah. Um, but uh, his phone was found on the ground at 1 a.m. near the Long Wharf in Boston, and there was no sign of Dustin. His body was found five days later on March 21st in 22 feet of water off the Long Wharf, just steps away from where his phone was found. Uh, police assumed that he had become disoriented by the blizzard and slipped into the harbor. So a, a Navy man slipped into the harbor. Yeah. And drowned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds sounds right. Doesn't sound suspicious cool, at cool, all. Cool. Um, all right. Go ahead, Amanda. So that leaves us with uh, number four, which is uh, William Hurley, who was also a uh, Navy sailor from North Carolina. Um, And um, he uh, met his girlfriend in a stop uh, when he was in Boston back in 2007 um, when he was on the same ship as Dustin Willis. The same ship. Was he on the same ship or was he just in the city the same night? Nope, he, they were on the same ship. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. They were Yeah, because actually... I know they were in Boston. He was in Boston the same night Dustin yeah. Willis went missing. So they were stationed on the same ship in 2007. Do you think they knew each other? Possibly. Wow. Possibly. I mean, they, they are big ships. It depends on what they did yeah. and what rank they were in. They may yeah. have not really, like, interacted much, but... um. Yeah, it was they were they were on the same ship. Crazy. Um, and um, so uh he um had moved from Florida to Boston to be with his girlfriend um that December. And um he had been attending a Bruins game at the T D Garden. It was October eighth, two thousand and nine. Um he had just had a few beers and he said he was tired from work and that he was going to have his girlfriend pick him up shortly after the game started. So he left, um, I saw a couple of reports say he left at like halftime. Yeah, it was definitely um, early on in the game. But he did not stay for the entire game. He left at some point during the game and um, had said that his girlfriend was going to be picking him up. Um, he called her when he stepped outside and um, she asked where he was. He asked somebody next to him who was walking by where he was at and they said 99 Nashua Street. So that is the address that he gave her and he warned his girlfriend that his battery was about to die. And she said, that's fine. I'm just around the corner. And when she got there, William was nowhere to be found. She drove around looking for him, asked if anybody had seen him. Later on, she found his phone smashed on the ground. I don't know if she found it, but it was found. Yeah, it was found smashed. Yeah. Um, And then on October 5th, um, 15th, no, 14th. 14th. On October 14th, six days later, his body was found in the Charles River at 2.30 a.m. near 200 Nashua Street. 25 feet from the shore so when he called his girlfriend he was at 99 nashua street and then he was found at 200 nashua street yes in the which charles river is not far at all so no. he didn't get far no he really didn't um there police said that there was no injuries and his keys and wallet were still on his person a suffolk district attorney spokesman um jake warp I'm guessing is how you say that. Walk. I would say it that way too. He probably says it like walk. 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 Jace walk. Jake walk. 
um, <laughs> stated that the body had been in the water for a couple of days, um, which is weird because he was missing for six days. And six is not a couple. No, like if two I have, is a couple. If I have six apples, I don't say I have a couple apples. That's not. Do you have six apples right now? No, oh. I have no apples right now. I have apple crisp. Oh, um, but. Anyway, um, I also wanted to point out that um, William had a toxicology report done on his body. And um, even though he had a low blood alcohol content, um, it was noted that there was 18 micrograms of GHB in his system, um, which is also known as the date rape drug. Um, Now, I did do a little research into that. And I guess like on average, we like the human body may have nine to 10 micrograms of GHB in their system. Um, but the only way that that can increase is if it's given to you. Yes. So there is a potential that something could have been slipped into one of his beers at the garden. And remember that for later, because that comes up again. It's a little important tidbit. All right. So our next potential victim, his name is Eugene or his friends called him Gene Losick. L-O-S-I-K. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, so I'm going to say Losik. Um, Eugene was born in Belarus, which is a country north of Ukraine. Again, I probably botched that pronunciation as well. I mean, we Googled that one. We so did. Belarus. Right. Belarus. I try. Any Europeans out there, if we, if we screwed that up, just please let us know. Um, but he moved to the U.S. at age seven. He graduated from UMass Amherst with an engineering degree. Um, do you notice all these people are engineers or in the Navy? They're pretty yeah. smart guys. Very intelligent missing. men. MIT. You got to be smart to go to MIT. Yeah. Um, so just weird. Um, he was a black belt in karate. Uh, he was 25 years old at the time of his disappearance, living in Lawrence, which is just north of Boston. He was living with his girlfriend, and he worked for a company called Raytheon. Not sure what they do, but that's where he worked. Um, February 20th, 2010, he was in the city celebrating a friend's birthday, and he was staying at the Marriott Longwharf Hotel. Uh, After a night of partying, he was seen on CCTV at 2.24 a.m., leaving out the back entrance of a hotel, of the hotel, the Marriott, I'm guessing. Um, He did not have a jacket on. And again, this is February in Boston near the water. It's Wicked fucking cold. cold. It's like fucking it's, cold. February is definitely one of the worst times of year around here. It doesn't get really cold until like January. And yeah. February is just, just like desolate wasteland. Yeah. Um, so he was heading into Christopher Columbus Park, which is right behind the hotel. And then the water is right there. They're all right next to each other. Um, a friend said that he was sober. He was probably just going for a walk to have a cigarette. His friends woke up the next day and realized that he had not returned. And so they started to search, um, sent dogs led police down the docks into the water, which was searched by divers. Um, on March 2nd, actually, uh, a couple weeks later, it looks like two weeks later, uh, 50 divers and search boats searched Boston Harbor with sonar and underwater cameras. Uh, they did not find anything because on November 8th, 2010, nine months later, he was found near the Rose Wharf in Boston Harbor and his cause of death is still unknown. Uh, drowning forensics indicate that he should have surfaced sooner if he was missing for six months. It's interesting that more than six months. Yeah. It was like eight months. And that's another one that they searched the water and didn't find anything. And, and then, then he shows up, shows up in that water. So it makes you wonder if they're being brought back to these places after they're being taken somewhere else. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, All right. So let's get on to our next one. Um, The next one would be David Mark. So David Mark grew up in New York. Um, He got a master's in geography from the University of Albany. He was a type one diabetic and he had also been diagnosed um, as Um, being on the autism spectrum disorder at the time it was called Asperger's so it was yeah was just diagnosed with Asperger's. Can I just say something about diabetes so a lot of people don't know the difference between type 1 and type 2 yes type 2 okay so type 1 you were born with yeah um your pancreas does not produce insulin and insulin helps control the blood sugar so if you eat like a full pack of Reese's your insulin kicks in to help you know take your blood sugar down 
Um, people with type 1 diabetes don't have that. So they need to watch their sugar, their carbs, but their blood sugar can also plummet and they need sugar and carbs. So yeah. you need so, insulin to keep that regulated. Yes. And they so when you're missing regular. and you need insulin, yeah, like do not have your insulin. That's dangerous. It's so it's just like, dangerous. it's a whole nother thing to think about. Um, anyway, go can, on. I know they can become very disoriented yeah. when they start to, mm-hmm. uh, have episodes of, um, either high or low blood sugar. Yeah. So it can it can get really bad really fucking quick yeah um but um so he was 24 when he went missing um on march 2nd 2011 uh david had left his home where he lived with his parents in albany and drove to boston where his sister lived um at boston beer works near fenway he had some drinks and people said that he was relatively in good spirits you know nothing seemed strange or weird or anything um never showed up at his sister's house and he never returned home um, the search obviously began fast since he did not show up at his sister's house. Yeah. Um, and his car was found several days later in Chestnut Hill at 10 Middlesex Road. And I did read that um, his sister lived in the Chestnut Hill neighborhood of Boston. So I'm guessing he was headed that Trying way, to get to that area. Trying to get yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, there was no sign of David. His phone had last pinged at 640 in Boston near Charleston Naval Yard. And on March, March 8th, Six days later, a fishing company found David's body downstream from Andrew McCardo Bridge. No signs of trauma, and police did not suspect foul play again. Again. (laughs) That's their favorite line, isn't it? It is. (sighs) But, um, yes, so then we are on to Franco Garcia. So, Jen. All right, so uh, potential victim number seven, Franco Garcia. He was of Peruvian descent. He grew up in West Newton, which is uh, a suburb surrounding Boston, town suburb. Um, He was attending Boston College Night School, and he was studying chemistry, dreams to go to med school. Another very smart guy. Yeah. Um, He worked full-time at a CVS pharmacy in Waltham, and he was musically gifted. I feel like a lot of these victims are musically gifted. Incredibly talented. Yeah. Very intelligent crazy um seem like overall happy people that probably wouldn't jump into a river and commit suicide exactly uh february 21st 2012 he was out with his friends at marianne's bar in cleveland circle now listen like i get we're from like you know the boston area but all these bars there's so many bars in boston like i there's no way to to know all of them or where they are and literally never never even heard of some of these um, but anyway, so he was a bar. He was 21 at the time. He had made plans to spend the night with his friend, though he mingled throughout the night with different friend groups. Um, at 11.27 p.m., he texted a friend, don't leave without me. Sometime around 12.15, his friends lost sight of him, but his keys and his jacket were still at the bar. That gives me chills. Like, the the last text, the don't leave without me, like, I just... Yeah, so he wasn't planning on leaving without anybody. He texted a friend about 1130, don't leave without me. 45 minutes later, his friends couldn't find him. Um, I don't know where his keys and jackets were. I don't know if there was like a room for him, but they were still at the bar. Um, he was caught on CCTV footage at 1218, just about the time his friends realized that he wasn't there anymore. He was passing by an ATM heading towards the Chestnut Hill Reservoir where his car was parked. So he's texting a friend saying, don't leave without me. And then he left and was walking towards his car. Yeah, that's, that's strange. I wouldn't leave without my friends. No, no, you never, never, ever, ever leave without your friends. If you go to a bar with your friends and you can't find one and you guys just leave, you're go a shitty as a group, Stay as a group. Please don't, don't be a, a shitty shit. friend. I Please. don't give a shit. You never leave alone. Um, anyway, anyway <laughs> his friend said that he was drunk, but not too drunk that he was staggering. We've all been there. You can have yeah. a couple drinks, feel a little good, but you can still well, navigate your way to, yeah. I mean, please don't drink and drive, your surroundings. but you're not going to walk into a river. Yeah. Um, his phone was pinged an hour later in the same area and his car was left untouched. The search began with the reservoir. Remember that. And nothing was found. April 11th, about three weeks later, his body was spotted in the weeds about 20 feet from the shoreline in the reservoir. While it's still on him, no injuries. They searched the reservoir. It's not that big if you look at the picture. No, Chestnut I mean, Hill Reservoir is not that big. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's not like it's the Boston Harbor. It's its own little body of water. No. 
how do you search that small body of water and not find him and then he's there yeah because he was probably especially in the weeds like that means he was probably fairly close to the shore so yeah someone could have found him if they were just walking the perimeter of there and actually actively looking it just said a body was spotted so i'm sure someone was just going for a walk and was like oh fuck there's a body anyway what um, are you doing boston police so his wallet was still on him and he had no injuries the police stated that his death was consistent with an accidental fall into the water, but they failed to elaborate on why he wasn't found sooner. So that's really fucked up, in my opinion. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, little to no answer. I know. Look at his picture. We'll post pictures of all these victims. It'll but all be on Instagram. He just like he looks like a really happy guy. You he can see does. it in his eyes. Um, yeah, and that does not look like a big body of water. It's no. very isolated. Um, no, and for those of you who don't know where the Chestnut Hill Reservoir is, it's, uh, just slightly, uh, further north than, um, the Boston Harbor. It is not connected to the Charles River, but it is another small body of water that is in Boston. Yeah, so it kind of fits in the Brooklyn area. Um, just in case anyone was like, what the hell is a Chestnut Reservoir? I know. Um, Boston has all these, like, sub-neighborhoods that, like, I still don't even understand, Um, so I don't expect anyone else to. Um, But anyway, let's go on with the next potential victim. So um, next we have um, D'Anthony W. Green. Now, this is one of the only ones where it's not uh, like a February, December, like kind of middle of winter case. Um, D'Anthony was uh, last seen uh, late July. Um, He was a Suffolk University student. He was entering his fourth year at Suffolk University. Um, his family said that he loved jogging, photography, and world travel with his late grandmother. That is just so which, pure. Like, the most wholesome shit I have ever heard in Doing my life. Doing things with your nana. He just seemed like an overall, just a really genuine, good person who loved his family and just enjoyed life. Um, he was found on July 30th off the coast of Boston, um, having been in the water for several days. Um, it was uh, reported that he was wearing running pants under regular pants as if he had been coming from the gym. Um, His family said in an obituary that I found online that he was a very capable swimmer, had no history of suicidal tendencies. Despite this, the police ruled this death as a suicide and closed the case. Yeah. Which just breaks my heart for the families because I feel like they basically just got a door shut in their face and told, we're not, you're not, worthy of this and i feel like that right yeah and i feel like that happens with a lot of cases especially like bodies coming up in the charles river i feel like it's something they're expecting to happen now all the time so they just kind of brush it all under the rug like Like, is that what it is a lot of these cases i know the police said oh well you know it's it's kids in college and they were drinking or they were at a bar and it's it's all kind of chalked up to just tragic accidents but i was i was a kid in college going to drink at the bar back in my day and I knew not, I mean, yeah. these people, some of them, I can't even speak on their behalf. This is, they were drugged, some of them. They, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially with, like, the date rape drug in their system. But, you know, the, the police's excuse of, oh, they're just drunk and walking to the river, it just doesn't make sense. Like, no. uh, grew, growing up in Plymouth. Plymouth Harbor there's so many bars on the those strips in yeah, Plymouth the downtown ridiculous and I can't recall anyone washing yeah. up in no, Plymouth or just, Harbor or just walking in or just the, walking in as they say entering the river as entering they say. the river I don't know <sighs> I don't know sounds fishy to me anyway okay so potential victim number nine his name is Jonathan Daly Jonathan grew up in Charlotte North Carolina and he played the violin and piano. So another North Carolina guy, another musically gifted guy. He studied architectural technology at Appalachian State University. Another very intelligent person. Very intelligent. And I think Appalachian State University is in Boone, North Carolina. Yes. Which we've been to Boone before with my yeah. parents. So cool. Um, so he later moved to Massachusetts with his friends. He was 23 at this time, and he was attending grad school at Boston's Architectural College, but he was taking a semester off due to financial reasons. College in Boston is not cheap. Living in the city is not cheap. Literally nothing in Boston is cheap. <laughs> um, October 2nd, 2012, 
Jonathan and his roommate had some pizza and were hanging out, and his roommate went to bed around 9 p.m. The next morning, he did not see Jonathan at his apartment. Um, he was gone, and the only thing that seemed tripping over my words. You got this, girl. <laughs> the only thing that seemed to be missing was his phone. He tried reaching him a few times, but after many unsuccessful attempts, he found that his phone was later shut off. So it seemed like it was ringing, it was going through, but then when he tried calling later on, it just went straight to voicemail. Um, one week later, October 9th. At 7.30 a.m., a row instructor near Boston University, about one mile from his apartment, found Jonathan's body in the Charles River. Now, this is really fucked up. I hate saying this part. Yeah, um, this, so This one really messes with my head. Yeah, so Jonathan, um, he was found with cinder blocks chained to his body. Um, and that's just, that's, I just, I don't, I don't. I don't understand that. Like, you... Like, even if you put cinder blocks on your body and threw yourself in the river, how could you get the cinder blocks up and into the water? Like, is there... I guess it's doable, but I feel like it would be very difficult. And I feel like that is probably the last way that anybody would want to complete suicide. Yeah. Um, I I just... It's it's very interesting. Um, So nobody kind of knew where he went or anything. Um... So, this one's really a doozy, but the police assured that there was no threat, and he implied that he committed suicide. All right, our recording got cut off for a second, but um, just wrapping up with Jonathan Daly, um, the body was tied to the chains of the cinder block. The police assured that there was no threat to the public and implied that he committed suicide. He had no history of mental illness. Um, so that's one that leaves us fathomless. Yeah. Um, that is, that's one of the ones that has always really interested me. I just, uh, it's a little different that he was found with, you know, something on him that was trying to keep him in the river. And yeah, that's just, uh, that's a fucking dark one. Yeah. Um, so next we're going to talk about Eric Munzel. Um, Eric was born in New Jersey. He went to Boston University, and this dude had a degree in aerospace engineering. Another smart guy. Which is like, holy crap, dude. That's like way to go. That's, that's a like, lot of that's school. a lot of school. It's a lot. It's a lot of brains. Um, but so Eric was working at General Electric at the time as an aviation engineer, uh, pursuing a master's in mechanical engineering. So this was a wicked smart kid. Wicked um, smart. Sorry. That's it. The accent's coming out. Um, On February 8th, 2014, um, Eric was celebrating his 24th birthday at Market Lounge, and he was escorted out by a bouncer at 1130 for causing a disturbance. Now, mind you, this was February. It was 18 degrees out that night. Yeah. And this bouncer put him outside. Um, The bouncer stated that he did not have a jacket, um, and he would not let him back in yeah 18 and, uh, degrees out with no jacket yeah, and you're gonna so let him back in eric was left outside um his friends were still inside his phone was last pinged um about a half an hour later heading toward the harbor not his apartment which was in the north end the other direction and um he was caught on cctv footage near marriott long Wharf. again the marriott long Wharf, yep, which is where uh eugene was staying and um It wasn't until April 23rd, a month and a half later, at about 12.30 p.m., a body was found in the water at Long Wharf again, and uh, it was Eric. And once again, police uh, did not find this suspicious, and they just left the death as uh, undetermined. How are they not finding any of these deaths suspicious? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I feel like after every victim we go over, we're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I don't know if they just were, like, kind of just closing cases and just kind of lumping them all together with, you know, one, oh, it's all just accidental. Oh, undetermined. Okay, goodbye. Case closed. Yeah, swooping out of the rug. All right, victim number 11. Amanda, I'm going to need your help with the pronunciation of his name. Okay, so it is Josue, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting this last name right. Quispe Elemendro. Yeah, that last name I could. I was like, how do I pronounce that? We tried. I'm um, so sorry, Josue, if and if I get it wrong. Um, he was handsome. He was. He was a cute kid. Um, so Josue lived in Malden, which is a surrounding town of Boston, with his family, and his family was very close. 
He was 18 at the time that he went missing. He was running errands on October 17th, 2015, and he dropped one of his siblings off at the Bed Bath & Beyond in Somerville at about 4.30 p.m. He failed to return home or answer his phone. His car was found at 10 p.m. the next day in Quincy, which is close by to where he was, and his body actually was found in Plymouth, 44 miles south on Sasquatch Beach. Did I say that right? Saquish. Saquish. Why can't I pronounce things in my own town? I got you. It's uh, There's a lot of Native American and like. I also think I started it wrong in my notes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have an extra letter in there. You do. I'm it's so sorry. I type fast. You're doing fabulous. Sweetie. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so his body was found on Saquish Beach, again, in Plymouth, Massachusetts, 44 miles south. So about an hour or so drive. Yeah. Um, his body was found on November 12th, almost a month later. So, I mean, he could have been missing in the harbor or in the area or Quincy and just kind of went yeah, I tried looking up, like, the currents that come out of Boston Harbor, but obviously that stuff is kind of ever-changing. Um, so I couldn't really figure out whether a body could um, leave Boston Harbor and be swept out down the coast like that. I mean, it's totally it was, possible. It could be. It really, it all depends on what the current was at that time, what the tides were, you know. So it's a lot of different, uh, different things that go into that. But yeah. um, the fact that you know, he was found over an hour away from where he was last seen. And yet the police said that there was nothing suspicious about this once yeah, again. That yeah. this 18 year old kid, like a child, like, I'm sorry, you're 18. You're still pretty much a baby. Like you're a baby. You're a baby. Um, this, this 18 year old baby was just disappeared in Somerville and his body was found in Plymouth and everyone was like, Oh, well accidental. Yeah. That's fucked up. That didn't happen. So, uh, no cause of death was released, and again, the police say no foul play was suspected, and how he got all the way to Plymouth is unknown. So, I know you tried to look at the currents. Did the, you know, police department do that, too? No. Probably not. Probably not. You're very detailed. I try. All right. Who's next? Uh, next we have Dennis. Um, I am... I have no idea how to pronounce this last name. I want to say it's Norhe, um, N-J-O-R-O-G-E. Um, I could be completely butchering that. Hey, we're trying. Um, but Dennis hey, was, right, exactly. Uh, Dennis was born in Kenya and he moved to Worcester, Mass. Worcester. Yes, say that, it is, right. that is how you say that, people. Worcester. Not Worcester. Not Worcester. 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 Anyway, um, he was uh, living in Worcester, Mass. with his mother and attending Northeastern University in Boston, which is a very prestigious school. So yeah, again, a very yeah. intelligent person. He was an aspiring filmmaker, loved playing basketball, and he was supposed to start a job soon at the Boston News Station, which he was very excited for. He was 21 years old at the time when he went missing. I know, um, and he is such a baby face. He too. does. He's so cute. He really is. You know who he kind of looks like? He kind of looks like Eddie from That's So Raven. He does. Doesn't he? Yeah. He really does. I um, love that show. I was actually watching that recently. But <laughs> he's he's adorable. Um, but anyway, so Dennis was 21 at the time when he went missing. It was November 29th, 2013. He had been seen by friends playing basketball at the Marino Center on the Northeastern campus. And um, that was verified by his key card swipes as well with campus police. So we know that he was, that was the last time he was seen. Um, the next day on the 30th, he spoke to his mother on the phone. Conversation was normal. And Dennis did not show up for class after that or respond to his mother. His phone last pinged around 2 a.m. on the MIT campus in Cambridge, which is not the Northeastern campus, no. clearly. Um, and his body was found by a jogger on December 31st, over a month later in the Charles River, directly across from the MIT campus. Again, police said that there was no signs of trauma. Police investigated this death as non-homicide, non-suspicious. Hmm. Sounds seems to be a pattern there is with a pattern. all of these cases. Is anyone else noticing a little pattern? All right, you ready for the next one? Oh, I am so ready. Okay, so I feel like this is one of the most known because it was semi-recently. I remember hearing about this on the news. and I do too. And this is uh, when I was, like, super into this case. 
And I was like, he's going to be found on the Charles River. And he was. So surprise, surprise. Like, I'm one step ahead of the Boston PD, I think. Clearly. I'm just kidding. Put in your application now. (laughs) No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, Respect to all the people that can do that job because I could not. All the people that do it right. Yeah, yeah. No, there's someone that I went to middle school with, and he is a police officer now. And, you know. He seems to be doing good by the people. I've been seeing some articles, and good. he's really helping people. Somebody freaking better, yeah. because... Um, so anyway, Zachary Marr, uh, he grew up in Lemonster, Massachusetts. He was celebrating his 22nd birthday with cousins at the Bell in Hand Tavern on February 13th, 2016. At about 1.30 a.m., he went outside for a cigarette, leaving his coat behind. And again, it was about 18, 20 degrees out this February night. Boston gets fucking cold, guys. We're not not kidding. So about 10 minutes later, he sent a Snapchat to his cousin saying that the bouncers were not letting him back inside the bar and that they should leave. She agreed to come out. But when she got outside, Zach was nowhere to be found. Um, I know that last call in Boston, I think it's... 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Yeah, somewhere so around there. So I'm sh- I don't know why the bouncer wasn't gonna let him back in, but he probably thought he was like coming in for the first time and said no more people in the bar. Um, I'm not sure what happened, um, but he was never let back inside. The bouncer states he did not let him back inside. So at about 1:44, a couple minutes after he sent that Snapchat, he was seen by CCTV footage walking past Boston Public Market heading in the direction of TD Garden. Uh, So that was only a few minutes after he sent that Snapchat. I would have tried a lot longer than five minutes to be like, I'm getting in that bar. I'm waiting for my friends. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. It's all just so weird. Unless the bouncer was like a real douche about it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are. I mean, they really are. Yeah. It's a hard job. I get it. But like, I feel like sometimes it's just, you know, they kind of, they let that power go to their head. Exactly. Um, So he was seen on CCTV footage uh, entering the water under the Zaka Bridge, which is near the TD Garden. Um, Please have never released this footage to the public. Why would you have pertinent information of of this young man entering the water, quote unquote, entering the water? And not release it. It's interesting that they en- they said entering the water too, not jumping into the water, not like swimming. Like the the fact that it was worded as entering the water, like did he just walk into the water? Like did you see him jump from a bridge? Um, I don't know. I just think that it'd love to see that footage. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I mean, they're not going to release it, and, and at this point, they're probably never yeah. going to. Well, in their eyes, it's solved. Awful. Um, so there was an immediate search of the water, and nothing was found. Um, there were actual sev- actually several searches were conducted. Really? Why can't I speak? I'm, like, tripping over my words today. <laughs> <laughs> several searches were conducted in that area of the Charles River. Uh, over a month later, he was found on March 16th, 2016. Um, passerbys spotted a body in the water by the Museum of Science, and which is also right next to uh, one of the state police barracks in the city. So his body just floating in the river next to the Museum of Science, yeah, full of children, yeah. and next to the state police barracks. Incredibly busy area. Yep. And he wasn't found before. Yeah. And he did After several searches. Several searches, yeah. which didn't that happen in, you know, like what, three or four of the other uh, cases that we've yeah. discussed already today? Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. So, like, what are you searching with? Are you just, like, do you have, like, like those little, like, pool goggles and it's, like, one dude in a scuba suit just, like, swimming the Charles River? No, I don't River. see anything. Like, what are, like, what are you doing? So, um, yeah, his location was consistent with previous searches, as were other cases. So, yeah, I remember seeing that case in the news and I just, I just knew that he was going to be in the river and he fucking was. Poor family. I know. And the it's, like, families. and it's, like, now when you hear of any young man going missing in Boston, like, that's what my mind automatically goes to. I'm, like, yeah. they're going to be in the Charles River. And it's, like, I just want to call him up and be, like, check the river. It's nuts. All right. And then we have the uh, last body that we have that was discovered in the river. 
Um, and then I am going to discuss a couple missing persons as well. Okay. Um, that bodies have not been discovered but went missing in the area. But first, we're going to talk about Michael Keller. Um, so Michael Kelleher. 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 I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, I so forgive you. Michael was 23 and he was from Southboro, Massachusetts. Uh, he went missing on March 29th, 2017 after attending a Celtics game at the TD Garden. So again, another person who was leaving the TD Garden. Um, now this one is another one that really interested me um, because there was a lot of CCTV footage of him in the garden um, surveillance cameras showed him leaving the garden about 9 p.m. the night he went missing. A cell phone um, was pinged until 11 p.m. about a mile away on Tremont Street in Boston. Um, it was reported that he was intoxicated at the time. He was actually very intoxicated. Um, when they did a toxicology report, when they found his body, his blood alcohol content was uh, 0.022. The legal Wait, limit. Wait, no, 0.22. Or sorry, 0.22. Um, the legal limit is 0.08. I was reading too it's far okay. ahead of my notes. Yeah. So three times the legal three, limit. Yeah, three times the legal limit in Massachusetts. Um, family and friends started to put posters up um, while Boston PD was um, searching the, uh, you guessed it, the Charles River. Um, but nothing turned up. His body was found three weeks later um, on April 16th at 8 a.m. And it was pulled from the Charles River. Um, I do want to note that attendees at the game did say that they witnessed Michael um, going in and out of consciousness, sitting at his seat during the game. Um, there was also CCTV footage inside the TD Garden that showed Michael sitting on the floor in the hallway with his head in his hands. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously he was very inebriated. It makes you think because um, the other case that we had um, that was out of the TD Garden was where there was the uh, GHB yeah. found in the system. Mm -hmm. um, there was I couldn't find anything that said if there was anything in Michael's system at the time, but it does kind of make you think with the footage that they found, um, there could have possibly been something else than just alcohol in his system. Mm -hmm. um, again, this was something that the police said was just an accidental death, an accidental drowning, and um, that was that. Can I just make a note? Um, any venue I've gone to in Boston, I feel like security is so strict. If somebody was going in and out of consciousness in public at a game and they were witnesses and, you know, if you're sitting on the floor of a common walkway at the TD yeah. Garden, someone's going to see you. Like, yeah, why, exactly. why, why was... didn't anyone contact security or the police in that moment? So it's interesting. The family did actually um, file a wrongful death suit against the garden. Um, I couldn't really find any outcome on that. Um, not really sure if there was a settlement or anything, but the family was very disappointed in um, the fact that there was so much footage and witnesses saying how intoxicated and how inebriated Michael was. And yet nobody there tried to help and I mean like the garden always has like EMS there as well you know anytime there's a big event going on there are paramedics and medical professionals there as well like to assist if anything yeah. is happening and yet nobody noticed this man literally like passing out in his chair yeah somebody should have helped him or just called just, somebody to help him breaks my heart yeah breaks my heart um so that's all the victims that we or potential victims of a potential serial killer or just these strange cases of bodies being found in the Charles River. Yep. Um, but as Amanda said, she does have a few other missing person cases that she just wants to like lightly touch upon. That could be connected, could not be connected. Go ahead, Amanda. I'll let you explain. So um, I got all of this information from the National Missing Person Database, which you can find online. Um, if you look up any of these people's names, um, I got them all from Suffolk County, Massachusetts, which is obviously where Boston is. Um, there is information on if you, you know, think you know where these people might be, you can contact the proper authorities from that website. Um, but I'm just going to list off the names real quick. And the last time they were seen, um, it's very interesting because all of these people went, or all of these men went missing, um, and even boys, because um, two of them are minors. Yeah. Um, they all went missing in the same time frame of, you know, early 2000s into the 2010s. Um, but there has never been anything resolved from this. So we have um, John um, Bowie, I believe. It's B-U-I. I could totally, again, be butchering that. Um, we're going to butcher a lot of names here. So, you know, just don't. Get ready for it. Yeah, don't kill me. Get ready for it. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> last seen 
on uh, April 2nd, 2005 in Dorchester, Massachusetts, which is a suburb just outside of Boston. Um, and then we have Christopher Brian Lewis. Now he was 13 years old. He was last seen on February 4th in 2013, a block away from his house in Dorchester, Mass. He was on his way home, never returned home. Um, Savant Minoy, 14, was last seen on July 14th, 2015 in Boston, Massachusetts. Nathan Adonis Suero was 20 years old. He was last seen in Lowell, Massachusetts, another suburb right outside of the city, on March 5th, 2017. We also have Than Lee. He was 27 years old. He was last seen on May 1st, 2018. And then the last person that I have right here is Musa Kamara, last seen September 12th, 2018. Um, all of these people are still missing. There is little to no information on their cases. Um, you can contact Boston PD or, like I said, go to the National Missing Person Database website, look up their names, and um, you can find any information there and proper authorities to contact. But I wanted to include them because, obviously, these are people whose voices are not being heard yep. and bodies have never been found and we don't know what happened to them. Yeah. And two of them are, are babies. Yeah. It's so sad. It's really sad. And it really just makes you think that there might be something else going on out there. Yeah. So do you have any theories about if there's a serial killer, multiple? What do you think? I think that at least one person, if not two people in the city might be doing this. Um, I know we're going to cover the Merrimack River killer as yep. well. Some of those bodies are found um, in the southern part of that river, which is in Andover. Okay. Really not that far from no, Boston. No, not at all. Um, so that is another thing that really kind of makes you think and wonder, like, if, is there, if this yeah. has been happening and maybe they just kind of moved a little further north to not be caught. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's just my opinion. I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert on anything. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm not really sold on the smiley face killer theory, no, no, like no, everyone no. says. Me neither. Um, I absolutely do not think that every single one of these was an accidental drowning or a suicide. No. And I think it's really sad that that's what the police just kind of deemed it as and just kind of brushed it off as if it's not really something to be considered as something else, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have any theories. Um, I heard, like, some people say, I talked about this with a group of friends at one point, and someone said, like, you know... Sometimes there's a lull between, so maybe that person is put in jail for other crimes, and that's why there's a lull between some of them. Yeah. Um, somebody definitely with some mental health issues. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. These are very, very smart men. One of them was a black belt in karate. Um, some They're all were, very in good health. Yeah, you know. military men. Um, so... I do believe that something more sinister is going on. I do believe that the Boston PD has swept a lot of these cases under the rug. Um, but it's just, it happens, it's been happening too much. And there's a lot of similarities. So, like, you know, how many more bodies are police going to find the Charles River before yeah, before something they, happens, yeah. you know, before they decide that, you know, there is a threat to young yeah. men in Boston. Or it's not just accidental coincidences. Cause, yeah. You know, I'm all about, like, coincidences. You know, that shit happens. But this is, uh, There's this is a, a lot different going on. than that. Yeah, a little different than that. Um, so is there a serial killer in Boston? Are the Boston PD trying to cover something up? Are they related? Or is it just a coincidence? Uh, we don't know but it really makes you think. So if you're a young man in Boston or if you're just anybody anywhere, uh, stay spooky, stay scary, and, and stay, stay safe. safe.